Welcome to the Marketing Intern Spotlight. A marketing intern is a listener who's spreading our message authentically. Hear their story, their passion, and their journey. Enjoy. Today on the Back Pocket Podcast, let's welcome Jay Christensen. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantabulous. Oh, dude, I love that word. Yeah. I also love that shirt, the cat shirt. Yeah, my sister got it for me. She knows I like cats and I like Big Cat, Carl Anthony Towns. So he's he's like my favorite basketball player ever. Ever? Ever, yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. I heard you're a big uh, Minnesota sports fan. And I know that's not like a shock being from Minnesota, but um, is Cat, you said favorite, better than KG? Yeah, I mean, we were so young when he was a boss that like, it's just like when you actually get to see it up close, like, you know, we were maybe 10 when KG had his sweet MVP season. And um, I think if you're actually in the arena and like, you know, of age to really understand like what an awesome basketball player is and yeah, probably cat, but I know he's got a lot to prove to get up to that KG level. Yeah. I'm from uh, Chicago and there's this photo of me when I'm very young and I'm wearing a Latrell Sprewell jersey. I got to have my mom send me up that photo, but Latrell Sprewell, dude, he was a gangster. That yeah. guy was a baller. <laughs> yeah, definitely gangster. He was like uh, Robin to KG's Batman for the most part. So mm-hmm. super dope. That's dope. That's wild, man. Well, you know, we we were just talking off air about a lot of stuff that you've been doing this summer, um, especially with like that new music video, The Thrill, with Yam House, and just your photography or photography, cinematography skills are incredible man so props to you um but i'd love to kind of dive in right away on where you found like the passion and um where your story kind of starts within uh the filming air like cinematography range yeah uh i think a lot of it stemmed from just not really knowing what i wanted to do at all which a lot of people get to that point um just in high school like basketball was my only passion that's all i cared about and um, you know, I tried really hard to make the team every year. And for three years in a row, I got cut from my high school basketball team and it was a bummer, but, and I felt bad for myself, you know, for a couple of days. And then I realized like, all right, I'm not just going to slouch and complain forever. So I went to the coach and said, what can I do to help the team? And he's like, well, you can film the games if you want. And so I said, sure, that like, that'd be great. I can, you know, still be able to help the team, even though I couldn't play with them so I went and I just started shooting all the games on a tripod it was super boring at first and then I tried to like do some cool GoPro moves on the baseline and try to make it a little more creative and and then I realized like wow this is like fun there's something to this Um, and a lot of that came with um, just trial and error and then I saw like these drones were coming out in like 2014 and drones had been out before but you needed to be like a super nerd to figure it out you needed to build it yourself all that before like 2013 and uh and a lot of the drone laws were really it was a gray area at that time like there were really no rules and everybody's like what, what are we going to do with these things and i remember the very first drone i bought my senior year of high school it was just a phantom one the original phantom and you just attached a gopro to the bottom and you couldn't see what it looked like up there you just saw the drone the gopro was pointing and you're like I bet that's a decent shot, like no gimbal, no stabilizer. And so you'd get this shot and it'd be the most shaky, windy shot ever. But you'd be like, that's a camera in the sky. Like that's like kind of mind blowing at the time. And so um, I went to University of Minnesota Duluth 
Um, and I, that was a really awesome place to really learn drone work. Cause there's so much free land out there and really figure out the handles. And, um, when I was going to school, you know, UMD isn't really like the place to be for a film school. It's not necessarily like, you know, they have a few things in programs, but it's not necessarily like extensive. So while I was there, I really just tried to use the community and the resources that I could cause I'm not really that smart. <laughs> um, like, don't sell yourself. Yeah, come on, <laughs> come on. No. Talking to two guys who are not smart at all. So, yeah. come on now. Super seek. That makes me feel better. <laughs> all, right, all right, but yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was like I was realizing in college. I was like, you know, I'm getting maybe you know C grades, whatever. I'm slipping by, but I find myself really passionate in these few video classes I do have. And so, what I wanted to do with that is, you know, use the multimedia hubs cameras like because that's you know you're paying tuition and you want to use your resources while you can while they're free and being able to use those cameras and find like talented snowboarders to go film or maybe like a really talented musician music videos just that environment at a university is something that uh, i think a lot of people look and just say like oh i just need to be here to get this degree but at umd i really realized like wow you can just make uh a lot of great creative products with these people you're there with and uh while i was going to school i knew i did i wasn't gonna finish i was the end of my sophomore year and i was like well maybe my parents will be mad give me shit and like a lot of people you know you're not this is not adequate like you're supposed to finish school and everybody's pressured to do that and in that last semester while i was there i knew i wasn't gonna finish because i wanted to pursue film but I i went and told all my professors i was like listen, I'm not going to finish. I don't care what my grade is, but I want to be here every day and I want to use these awesome resources you guys have. So can I just work on my own projects? And they're like, yeah, it's your money. You do what you want. So I just like in class while everybody's doing like their thing, I really wanted to focus in on the drone work or being able to learn the cinematography. And, um, and so then, yeah, I stopped going to school at the end of my sophomore year and, um, coming back to the cities down here, I realized like if you're not going to be in school, you really need to start working and get on a level where maybe you're not getting paid all the time, but you need to continue your education. Cause I think one thing I did want to stress here was like a lot of people need to realize there's some great opportunity in working for free. Not, Mm. not necessarily saying like, you know, you can't ever get paid, but it's the same reason why, you know, college football players, like, why are they in those four years or two years or whatever? Why are they putting all that work in? They're not getting any checks because they're trying to make themselves the best they can be in that small amount of time so that when it comes to the appropriate time to get paid, you're at the highest level of your skill. And so right after I left college, it was all about working for free. Anything that needed to be filmed, any inquiry I got, I'll do it. I don't need pay. And sometimes you would get paid just because they were like, wow, you did a damn good job on it. And I really tried to get my hands on everything I could because I know in Minnesota it's it's uh you know three or four months of good filming season and then the rest you're all inside and trying to stay warm. So uh, I thought that it was important at all times, even if like you know there's no um, I'm not getting instantly gratified or I'm not getting instantly paid money in my pockets. I'm learning a really awesome skill that could help develop into something great for the future. So, 
um, once I got the thought of like getting paid out of my head, it really, I saw a lot of progress and a lot more relationships were made. And, um, yeah, it was, that was like the best thing I took out of not going to school. Cause I think I would never tell anybody like, Oh yeah, you should totally just drop out of school, like send it full send. And like, um, you know, if you, if you know what you want to do, of course do that. But I think what I would tell you know, students that are thinking maybe I should drop out, just use that tuition, use that school for what you want it customized to you. Like, you know, maybe it's not going to be going down their perfect route, but if you can find a way where you're still being productive and still efficient, like just make it what's going to be best for yourself. Mm. Dude, I freaking love that. It's a killer story. That's awesome, man. The uh, first question that I had was when you were in that those classes where you're like practicing your drone skills or um, those cinematography things that you wanted to learn within the class how what were the other students thinking like is, did they also know that you weren't gonna be going to school anymore I, yeah I think they like would whisper in my ear they'd be like dude like what are you doing you're just like out outside flying drones while we're in here and they're like well I asked the teacher and she said it was fine and then it, it was interesting because uh, one of the last um couple weeks of the semester i was actually asked by two different professors to teach seminars on like drone technology and so like i was kind of teaching a little bit the last two weeks so i'd spend my whole day going to different classes showing them like the potential of not just using drones for filmmaking but you know there's so many different purposes like agriculture and search and rescue and like um, doing 3d mapping and all this stuff that like i knew i wasn't good at yet but i was trying to open the idea like there's a lot of different uh, routes you can go in this drone industry so yeah that's insane dude that is super cool and then um on top of that you know you said you were not really worried about your parents giving you shit what what kind of shit did your parents actually give you yeah i mean my dad's a high school teacher so like he was definitely not about it uh right away they were like all right you better figure it out and you know they were nice enough to still let me live back at home for that first like six months they were amazing about that and um and then you know they they realized i think soon enough they saw me every day in my room editing and they were like all right he's doing something so once you show them you're doing something they're like all right that's cool um and uh and i think being able to teach those classes at umd like with the drone they were like they thought that was cool too um and then it was just that um that next year where i was going back into minneapolis and working as a producer um it was then getting the opportunity to do some work with the timberwolves and that was something where you know i'm a diehard fan i was like all right well if you did all that other stuff for free you better like showcase that you want to help them as an opportunity just like an intern would. Um, and so they were renovating the target center and I met a producer and got to work with him there. And he's, I ended up flying the drone and doing, um, progress, uh, video and photo with the drone of the renovations. And they ended up making a really awesome full project that Mortensen did for their, um, construction of it. And, and then after that, they started um, inviting me to come shoot games and come do like production day and all the promo videos. And now I've been able to work um, with the Timberwolves like on a regular basis where uh, I like look back at when I was not able to make my high school basketball team and was like, oh, that was so worth it. Like not 
I mean, I, there was a long time where it really, it really did hurt not to be able to play basketball anymore, but I'm still close to the game I love and just being able to actually get paid for it. So, yeah, man, you kind of got like a Michael Jordan story right there. <laughs> yeah. You're getting cut from your high school basketball team and but skyrocketing. That, that's what they tell you is right <laughs> when you get cut, they say Michael Jordan got cut. Uh, from <laughs> they his, do say but, that. But, but you know what? He got cut uh, as a freshman trying out for varsity. He still made the junior varsity. Sure. So it's like. Yeah. Like any other freshman typically would. <laughs> Actually, more, more freshmen would make just the freshman team. Right. Yeah. So, wow, that's silver lining that more <laughs> parents might need to know. I don't know. That's about the Michael Jordan story? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess you could go that route. Sure. That's breaking news on this <laughs> podcast. For I, you. For Did you know that? Yes. Oh, I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. mom was telling me, I think I got cut from like, maybe it wasn't even getting cut. It was more like the you tried out for the high team and made the low team type thing. My mom would tell me that all the time. And I was like, oh, man, I guess, yeah, it is a good point, Mom. You know, it's hard to argue with that one. Yeah, man. Yeah. Six, sure. six rings, man. He's, you can't argue with six rings. Yeah, that's literally what my mom would say. She'd be like, dude, MJ, six rings, where are you at, deck? Yeah. It was tough. So you're taking all these free gigs, which is awesome. I think that's incredible. Like, I'm trying to do that in um, what I'm doing right now with digital marketing and just trying to, like, take on local clients and work my craft with them. Um, walk me through like the first stages of you trying to reach out to clients and building that reputation when you don't have the credibility of any really film work or anything. What was that like? Yeah, no, no college degree, not much credibility at all. Like, uh, but I think being able to, I mean, utilizing Instagram as like a tool for your resume is something that I think I had to really focus on. And, um, you know, with, I mean, video and photography, it's pretty easy to use that as a resume, but I wouldn't want, you know, listeners out there to think it. you can only use that as a resume for those specific things. Like maybe you're amazing at uh, doing woodwork. Like that's a great place to post your work. Maybe you're a talented musician. Like I think if you can understand that um, it's not like LinkedIn, it's not as professional. It's a little more creative, a little more like visual, but um, I think I really realized that if you use Instagram as this resume, it's free, free advertising, essentially. Um, make sure you stay somewhat, you know, professional, but also showcase like your attributes. Um, but it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't easy right away. Cause like you're coming from just like a few projects that they're like, mm, it got my attention, but I think it, it was the, you know, realization that now you needed to actually buy equipment cause I, I've been able to work on projects, but at that point, you know, I'm nothing unless I own like my own equipment. Cause that really is a commodity to being able to move up in that. And so at that point it's like, well, you've been working for free. How do you s turn into monetizing? And, and that was a tricky process. Cause I'm very minimal business minded. Like I, uh, I really, really wish like, you know, when I was in school, I was listening more in, you know, my economics class and understanding that. Um, but I think all I had to do was bank on, all right, you're only good at this one thing, like just really hone in on every day, just being able to keep working. And then all of a sudden a few more paying jobs come in. And then I was able to start buying my own equipment, um, to a point where every day, like most of my checks, I bring in like 50% or more, goes right back into the equipment to just try to keep it high level. Cause, um, it's like, you know, whatever, five years ago like or 10 years ago like 1080 was like adequate and now 4k is adequate and soon 8k is gonna be like adequate and 
maybe maybe not that fast but like yeah it's crazy it's like in that world things are moving so fast like with new products like dji phantoms dji mavics coming out every year and like just the same way the iphone comes out every year and so you have to always be on top of owning your equipment Mm -hmm. yeah that's crazy dude the progression of you know my i guess my knowledge in film is very limited but even like when you were explaining the first uh dji phantom like how ridiculous that was (laughs) um and even like looking at the first gopro is like just you can't even believe it these like the hero what are we on seven now is hero seven with the built-in stabilizer like in the gimbal within it it's absolutely insane and the the amount of the type of footage you're able to capture is just so cool dude but when did you i mean these pieces of equipment are super expensive so was there like a first piece of equipment that you went to right away like i need this or was it kind of like i need to rent equipment out first to really get my grounds yeah never renting i think i was it was like a send it mentality it was just like uh, (laughs) um, but yeah i think we like we've been really spoiled as like a generation in the at least in on the film world because we're part of like the gimbal era and like 10 years ago like you couldn't really just you couldn't without a film degree or a lot of different um you know accolades like you couldn't just step up and work on projects but now if you have a solid dslr you have a good gimbal and you have a good vision um and good editing skills you can all across the board like take over a project and i think a lot of people are realizing that now it's like you need to get in with those minimal like couple thousand dollars worth of equipment but then there's a certain point where you're either in the you know like standard film or you're working on higher productions there's not much of a middle area on that so uh, i got a red digital cinema camera last year and it's kind of a trap because the brain itself is you know thirteen thousand dollars but then you realize you have to double that in the accessories that get that brain to actually work what kind of camera weekend it's a digital red so red digital cinema so that's like Mm. about you know half about half of like hollywood movies are shot on red digital cinema cameras so like it's like they're one of the biggest like high level production cameras and you buy the brain which is just like the camera itself but then you have to spend two thousand dollars on a 480 gigabyte mag to go in it uh, just the memory cards, two thousand, and then you have to spend two thousand on an expander that literally just allows you to attach a battery to it, and then you have to get all your lenses, and then you have to spend two to four grand on a monitor, and so it's a tr- it's a trap. Like <laughs> they they get you like oh I could it's only this much for red I can get it, and then you end up paying like twice that amount to get it fully operational. And um, the goal this this year and what we've just been getting into starting this summer is flying the red cam with an alta 8 drone so that's and break that down what does that mean so the alta 8 so the same way like red digital cinema is like industry standard for hollywood films like the bigger budget productions the alta 8 is the industry standard for a drone that can it's an octocopter eight, eight propellers that flies that camera setup so that was the purchase i made just this spring and then i got it fully uh, it's still like was the point where i bought it and then i was like oh man i have to get like 
way more accessories for it. So I had to wait till it was fully operational just until um, about six weeks ago was the first time it's been able to be used on a shoot. We actually had it on the thrill. We were using it on the thrill, but at that time it didn't have like a few key um, you know, accessories to make it as like good and stable and perfect as it could be. So we use it. We got some good shots out of it there, but it wasn't fully functional till just now. And we're marketing it to a lot of different higher level films. We put a bid in for a Netflix original film, which will be next spring. So it's going to take a while, but it'll be really cool if we can land um, something of that nature. And we would, we would strictly be doing the aerial work. So it, we'd probably all day be just standing around and just for that 20 minutes or 30 minutes um, that day where they need to do the drone shots is when you step in and then it's high pressure scenario for a little bit. You're flying like $70,000 in the air at once. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but dude, but what? It, yeah, it's, it's definitely something you really got Like there was like a maturity level that I just didn't have like a year ago. And I've really had to this whole year work on making sure I'm professional. I'm thinking about everything, making sure that, um, the payload's safe, the, uh, and, and having a team to do that is really what it's going to take. And I haven't had that team yet. You know, I've had a business partner that I'm not working with anymore that I thought was going to fill in there. But now, um, I'm working with, um, different producers at our studio in Northeast that they work on like Kia commercials and they do, um, like, uh, do and Polaris commercials. And so I've been able to move in with them as of April and, they've been you know giving me great like learning experience like an extended college like a grad grad school almost if you will so uh meeting them was huge and like that was imperative to like helping me run the business because I don't know how to do that aspect and being able to have now a team I can work on films with is super important because no matter how good of a vision you have or no matter how set you are on having a film be your way it's never going to pan out to as good as you want it to be unless you have a crew a team dedicated to making it as efficient and high quality as it can be and that's a great point and i was really curious on that if freelancing was kind of like the route to go for uh, drone footage um what, what would be like your um your tag as what is your title as a profession with drone is it like just i'm a drone flyer drone pilot I guess just like I always put like cinematographer, aerial cinematographer. Okay. So it's, I mean, it's a lot of different things that you have to take account into. And cinematography isn't just filming, like it's lighting as well. And that's something that uh, another reason why I wanted to get this Alta 8, this octocopter, is to fly lighting systems. So I have a uh, hundred and thirty thousand lumen light that I fly from it. So if you go three hundred feet up with it, it can in a pitch black like woods, it looks phenomenal. It makes it look like a UFO light is shining out of the sky and just um, like the uh, McCoy the McCoy, McCoy video. Yeah. McCoy video. <laughs> yeah. So that was the first time we actually used that on a different drone, which was a hexacopter. Um, and yeah, we use that was McQuaid was killer in that, you know, it's negative 10 out and he's in a swimsuit and we're trying to just get these shots. And it's like one more shot, one more shot. And we're all like freezing and Quaid's like, no, we got this. We got this. We got this on this next take. And he put a really valiant effort into being an actor on that. And uh, and his time commitment to it was insane. Like anytime we'd be like, oh, 
it's snowing it's snowing let's go let's go like anytime because we needed to be like a majestic snowfall for that and like he was always there where he was sitting on standby ready for that call and um we yeah so it was um really cool because that was one of our first applications of using the aerial lighting and moving forward i think a lot of people won't know what that is yet so i think a lot of like companies and people working on that want to make productions they probably won't consider that yet but i think in five to ten years like aerial lighting will be a common thing on hollywood sets because um, maybe not in the studio, but if you're going to go out and shoot in nature, being able to bring that kind of lighting at an angle, at a different temperature, um, from wherever you want, like literally you can put it wherever you want on a, you know, you could have it up there for about 30 minutes. And it's on demand too. You can actively test where it is, where like, you know, a standard lighting, you would have to rig it, set it up, shoot it evaluate it move it and it, it's a little more chunky whereas like you can actively film a shot while you're testing and moving that drone around to get like you know the desired shot I yeah it's super cool yeah and if you want i mean if you want just a s- static just still light sitting there you put it in gps mode and it just stays put or if you want to do like a cool move where the shadows of the light go across their face or just the shadows of the trees you can just move it and it just makes so for right now it's more of like a abstract like cool artsy thing it's not like you either have to be filming like alien invasion film or like or (laughs) or like music video i think it's going to be really big to use because we used it in yam houses the thrill as well so when they're performing there we just had it hovering right above them That's right so and this one is a 50,000 lumen one so it's like about a third as powerful as the one i just got so we're trying to get it really lit are you gonna film their <laughs> next music video ah they they wanted to talk soon and meet up so i'm definitely seeing what they have in store but we haven't like set on any project yet but okay. i think working with them was pretty incredible because it come from a background of working with a lot of um shitty soundcloud artists no offense to them but like it was it was like and and not no and nothing against soundcloud or anything like that it was just like uh, like a lot of the people i worked on projects were with before yam house were just so set on like the clout and like the like they didn't really care about telling a story they just wanted to like you know film me looking sick like and that seemed to be the, <laughs> that seemed to be a re- reoccurring theme. It was always just like I was trying to make these guys look like badass or something, and and then I got to a point where I was able to meet um, all the guys from Yam House, and I was like, wow, their music's great. Like, they're how'd you got, how'd you meet them? They actually um, came by. I was officed out in Hudson, Wisconsin. Uh, before moving into this new studio, which sucked. Wisconsin sucks. That's where they are. That's where they live. Yeah. yeah. And so they came in and uh, they were uh, just like introducing, like we, we were on Main Street in Hudson. They were introducing themselves and um, they were trying to see if we were interested in one of their shows. And they were like, oh, you guys are film guys. Like, that's cool. Like, we're obviously looking to do a music video sometime soon. And it was back in uh, like January, February, somewhere in there. And we actually didn't shoot till May, like the beginning of May. So it was a long process in planning it because we had to get Valley Fair involved. And that I we got Valley Fair involved because that was back towards like the working for free aspect. So I hit up Valley Fair and I just said, hey, we have this great band. 
they have a song called the thrill and they say the word roller coaster in it and like it, it has like a really cool like amusement park feel to it is what we thought so uh, if you guys want we could shoot this music video here and if you guys would let us do that i'd be happy to spend a whole day working on a commercial for you guys for free so wow. before they opened this this summer um one day we just went and shot like they had their valley fair fan club come in and ride rides and we just shot drone shots of all the rides on a bright beautiful sunny day gave them their content and then the very next day full day to ourselves to shoot whatever we wanted at valley fair and um, we had a project manager um, kelsey from valley fair was incredible because she you know devoted all her time to getting all the ride coordinators together and it sucked because the power tower wasn't working and that was actually like a really important scene i had because you with the power tower going up you could get the drone going perfectly at that speed oh. and having them having them do their performance scenes and then all of a sudden just at the end of the song it's gone before you know it and they just drop out of so oh that would have been so sick. instead he's dropping cotton candy i think yeah he's dropping and so yeah. power tower cotton candy whatever but it was it was a it was a bummer because the morning of like we're realizing oh man the power tower is under under uh you know they're trying to fix it and yeah. and so they said well you can use the extreme swing instead so we're like all right extreme swing sick which sure. by the way that shot was so sick when they're going up and then you get the slow-mo of them coming down i think you probably got a couple shots in that music yeah. video but dude that was rich yeah and that <laughs> was and that was with the alta and it was cool because we could slow it down to like you know four times five times as slow and uh but the thing was it was slightly out of focus you can go back and watch it's a little and that was like our problem with alt at the time as we were having trouble with getting our follow focus system to work because you have to command like the fo pull the focus like on the ground and like oh really we just had a team of two of us and it was like oh man we I wish there was like a third person that could help out with this um Damn. but but yeah so i think that music video learning the whole um, process was important because first off the artists they're incredible i love incredible those guys. people yeah they're the best we, we've gotten the, we've had the pleasure of getting to know them and it's been over a year now of knowing those guys and working with them twice now one in our backyard for a halloween party and then a second time at on the Bo boat on, at bocella yeah. on the boat they're killer they are the i want them to succeed more than anyone because they are so hungry they're so dedicated shout out yam house shout out to the boys the yam fam the yam fam absolutely <laughs> dude god yeah. if you haven't seen the the music video of the thrill yet oh my god it's phenomenal i've seen it probably well, how many times have we watched i've that? watched it at over. least 15 20 times yeah, yeah. we always show showed my like, boss i showed my boss today the, the thrill yeah such a he great, loved it. I mean, great song too, obviously. Um, one of my favorite parts in that, which I mean, has nothing to do with cinematography, but at the very beginning when uh, Seth is singing, like, <laughs> dude, Seth can't handle being on camera. It's so obvious. <laughs> but he's like smiling. I can't remember. He like smiles right at the end of the shot and then you clip like right to the next part. I'm trying to remember when or what he was saying he was sitting in the in the roller coaster car and it was his speaking part yeah and he's just like got a weird smile it was priceless it's pr you know yeah. what we're talking about yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. so goddamn funny um well, well that's awesome how how much of a growing experience was that with working doing that full production with those guys yeah it was what was sweet about them too is they were really awesome with like leniency on my creative take on it mm -hmm. like of course they had how they 
wanted to be their wardrobe but they were like we trust you and we want to see what you can do with this so i think coming from where i was sitting listening to all these artists being like more me more me more me more clout uh it was cool where they like let it be more of a creative process and um i think uh the planning was huge because I had all, a lot of these music videos, like it's just like, Hey, can you shoot in two days and we'll, you know, do whatever. But being able to like a month and a half ahead of time, be like writing a schedule for our rides at Valley fair and all that, that was cool to see how it really does turn out to be a better project. If you give yourself that room for air. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, and I think there's so many things when I watch that video, it's like, Oh man, it could have been so much better with just one more day or one more try and you know what that's now at this point it's just that's what i got to put into the next yam house video you know like hey. yam house if you guys want to shoot again like i owe you guys uh all those we'll we'll make sure the power tower uh mess up won't happen again and like all that so but there'll be a new location dude. new location yeah. super stoked new song it. new song super stoked for it yeah they played thrill the last song on the boat and they were like should we play uh another because they played a couple cover songs should we go should we play a cover song or should we play our new song we all were just like new song and then they hit the, hit us with a thrill and the place lost it it was awesome see that's what's awesome about yam house is like when i, I saw all those videos from boatcella like and they were playing their own music and people were going nuts and they were playing covers that everybody knew and people were going nuts. They, they really know how to like, you know, they, they have to keep like a nice tempo in the party and they know how to do that. So absolutely spot on. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable when, uh, you know, you mentioned like being able to use your creativity as like a cinematographer. Um, what are, maybe some like projects or different types of clients that you like working with that enable that in creativity and like, what's the um, kind of the tie in between like having a scope and like direction versus like just being too creative. Is there like a certain type of way you'd like to, to go? Yeah. And that's interesting. You bring up the too creative cause you can be too creative to a point where it's like, what, what is the message here? Like, it's just too much like, too much to handle and sometimes simplicity is really helpful with that um i think like with the projects i'm working on i understand that there is going to be a lot more money in areas where it's just people saying like shut up we're going to tell you what to do um but and then unfortunately the ones where you can really put in your intake and that ones aren't really good paying jobs but but i like to have a variety of working on different jobs i don't want to constrict myself to one specific thing like and get uh you know i i think you should always have variety with what you shoot unless you are like if you're the best wedding videographer out there you should stick with that because those are high paying like wedding videos like pay you high and i i did like 50 weddings when i was in college uh and it was great pay but i was like oh man i don't know if i could stay stay doing this because like there's a few bridezillas in there that uh like they love the video but like there'd be like something wrong with like oh like i don't like how my like my butt looks in that shot or like i don't like how uh like uncle jim shouldn't be in that shot like can you delete that it's like well you never told me i couldn't shoot uncle jim (laughs) (laughs) you just got uncle jim taking rippers dude (laughs) uncle jim's like literally the theme of the whole wedding i never thought about that that's hilarious just like family getting in the way of young jaybird over here yeah with uh, drone shooting kind of being like such a new standard, is there someone out there that you're kind of like watching like, all right, they just did that. I need to find a way to do that myself type thing. 
Yeah. Um, well, one person who I don't know if I'd ever get in this lane, but if you guys have ever heard of Johnny FPV, he's a freestyle drone pilot. He does FPV, first person view drone piloting, and he is literally the most famous one in the world. I was like once uh, his like liaison when he'd come to town because um, we were working at a company called Airviews, which was like a drone media platform here in Minneapolis. Um, and he has like flown drones with Will Smith and like, he goes, he goes to, you know, DJI, like, and he's now a DJI spokesperson, like oh, wow. selling their new products. And he, what he did that was different is these FPV drones. You might see them like people just whipping them around and it's like, you have this headset on and you're watching all these creative, like, like you're just like if you want to like there's a windmill somewhere and you want to like zoom through the windmill and go backwards or go straight up a building there's so many different moves you can do but the problem was everybody was too into like the wildness of it where he saw the cinematography side and he's like if i put like a decent camera on this thing and start doing moves that are a little more appropriate for commercial work he he does and he's killed it and that's somebody that had he there's nobody that's even like a tier below him because that's such a new thing like the fpv drones so uh props to him because he's you're younger than me and uh, holy smokes yeah he's young and he has just been traveling the world like and these celebrities want to meet him like will smith was like i want to fly i want this kid to fly a drone with me like let's let's like do it and all of a sudden like will smith is like this kid is like the shit and um i don't I, wow. I i can't think of anybody else besides will smith right now but there are a lot of celebrities he's casey neistat maybe maybe i'll probably look into it yeah. yeah dude that is that's insane that's insane i mean that's someone that uh we have to reach out to him next time he's in town maybe we have him on the podcast yeah, mr liaison over here yeah mm-hmm. well he'd just be in our you know office and you know he's young he can't go out to the bars or anything so they'd be like jay take him to a twins game or something and i got to know him before he got really like famous he's like super he's like a celebrity just coming from little fpv drones so it's wow. cool cool to see the potential and like it's not just like your standard drone work there's so many different angles to it that uh the next 10 years are going to be fun to see how that develops killer man yeah and before we uh hit some back pocket core questions i want to give our uh, our main man ty over here uh, an opportunity to ask some questions Yeah, no, that's a great question because it was it was for sure like those wedding videos I was doing at that time. That was my only paid work, and there a lot of you know a lot of critique on your editing, a lot of re-edit, re-edit, re-edit. So it did suck, and um, I enjoyed weddings for a little bit, but then once I saw like like how like girls would start like showing up to these weddings with like pinterest pulled up and like can you do this can you do this and like it's like so staged where i really wanted to say hey i'll give you a natural feel like just trust me be with your friends and family throughout the day don't be i shouldn't be your best friend today i like i'll get it done um but there's instances where i'm having like 
you know, some friend, like old high school or college friend come up to the bride and then she's like, sorry, I'm talking to my cinematographer right now. And it's like that lady probably traveled really far just for you. And um, so like there was a, a lot of shit to put up with with the weddings. But I think it that was where I was like, OK, it sucks. But now you can go and be creative and have that leniency to be um, not only creative, but collaborate with other filmmakers and eventually if you show show to these other filmmakers that you know you're not just there to get that check you're there for the end product for everybody they gain trust in you and eventually it's to the point where they're like hey we have some both fun and creative jobs that uh have pay to it so um yeah it was it was definitely finding an equilibrium of that because it couldn't you can't just sit there and not make any money but I think, you know, I looked at it as like the athlete standpoint, like, damn, all these college athletes, like they're maybe they're getting paid under the table. But <laughs> <laughs> but and that's why they're but it's like, damn, that does take, you know, determination for if you're there for four years and you're just putting in all your work, you're you're really trying to put yourself on that level where you're the f- number one overall pick, maybe like number seven maybe like the 30 second pick but first rounder yeah first right. as long as you're a first rounder yep have you found yourself get into any creative ruts and if so how do you get out of them i'm thinking more maybe from the standpoint of like the recent strike that has gone but there's a lot of skill that involved that goes into what you're doing have you ever found yourself like thinking like oh i'm like reaching the ceiling of the skill that i that i can you know attack this project with and if, if so how, how have you found your way out of those yeah rut would be a great word to use i was for sure in a rut uh in like early 2017 uh it was um to a point where i was like wow i've made a lot of great projects but i'm not seeing any you know it's they're all the same they're all at this same level it's like hype too hype drone video like there's too much action and there's not too much like concrete educational value in any of these films like how can i get uh more more learning out of these projects because i think you know you can show somebody something cool and flashy but i want people to take away something that they learned and so in 2017 i spent the first three months of that year um producing a historical documentary that used drone technology to showcase the history of Minneapolis. Um, and so it's about a 14 minute film where I'm using all this historical archive. So I went over to the Minnesota Historical Society and I got um, permission to use all these old images and videos. And I went with my drone and I flew the drone in the exact spots that these photos were in, taken in. And I tried to show a, like a recreation, like a change in the buildings and also just tell the story of how awesome this city is like i don't know if you guys realize like minneapolis is the shit um like fun fact is do explain yeah yeah uh there were more people living in minneapolis in the 1920s than there are now whoa yeah and like at one point you know minneapolis with its huge flour mills and all of the production coming out of here it was feeding the entire world like it was the largest flour mill um city in any anywhere in the u.s and anywhere in the world so like people all across the u.s are eating just because of here like general mills pillsbury like those companies like were like at the turning of the 19th to 20th century like we were on top of the world but 
in the late 1950s all these great uh buildings were being demolished like 40 percent of downtown minneapolis was demolished in the early 1960s because of urban renewal like people were like all oh, these buildings are old and there's no like really yeah and like one building in particular if if you guys really want to see some dope shit look up the metropolitan building in minneapolis it was this 12-story castle in, in the middle of minneapolis with a rooftop garden and just beautiful brass and gold and it was this magnificent building and uh in the late 50s like people were you know desperate to have more new buildings and new businesses in minneapolis because minneapolis was kind of becoming a skid row at the time washington avenue was one of the biggest skid rows in america uh really gross every you could get shot you could get robbed easily mm -hmm. um and so then this like sheridan hotel comes in and says like we're only going to build our building here if you guys demolish that ugly eyesore across the street and at the time the real estate interest was so powerful that the how beautiful or elegant this building was didn't matter at that point and there weren't enough people to, or that were like hey let's stop this so they demolished it and since they demolished that building the national registry of historic places was created because they Whoa. they realized like wow that was a really dope building and we don't want this to happen again and you know there are cases where these buildings are old they're breaking down um you know they're there's nobody tenants in them so there's realistic cause to tear down a building but never again should there be a situation where you're just tearing down beauty that'll never be re recreated and mm. that sheraton hotel like 10 years later was demolished so like um it yeah it's, it's pretty crazy to see like a lot of different things happen in minneapolis's history and i wish in high school like they told us a few of these things because if you can figure out your like close tangible history then you'll be more inclined to learn like the bigger picture stuff so i wanted mm. to make that project um just to showcase to people like this is a beautiful place first off i'm never leaving here i'm gonna live here my whole life it's like why would you ever leave minneapolis like dude i love this right now because <laughs> all right, you got a guy from wisconsin a guy from illinois and a guy from denver colorado so we are uh, we're trying to dominate the sandbox with the twin with the uh, sandbox being the twin cities. So I'm gonna go out on Lamont right now and uh, bring in our fourth hire uh, for the back pocket. And <laughs> yeah. Do you want to be the uh, speaking of liaisons? Do you want to be our, our our Minnesota liaison whenever we need to check facts or just you know get uh, stay in tune with what's going on here in the twin cities? We can just give you a ring. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. You're like the pulse. Yeah, yeah, you're the pulse. I love that, man. That is just That's incredible. Like, that's incredible. I was just like, please keep talking. This is amazing. This is like an audio book and it's yeah. live and this is my podcast. <laughs> and, and please don't amazing. ever say you're not smart again because that was freaking through the roof. Um, great storytelling. Well, put together, well yeah. put together. I was incredible. Well done, dude. Um, <laughs> oh, one question. The spoon in the, Ooh, the Walker question. Park? Yeah, the cherry and spoon. Yeah. Um. Can we get a little backstory on that? Do you know anything about that thing? That thing's lame. Like it was. All right. It was. It. It was just put there because they're like, you know, it looks cool. Like they didn't have it. There was no purpose. It was just abstract art. Sure. Just abstract All right. art. So. so that backs up every point that I've ever made about that spoon. I say anytime I see it like post on Instagram, I'll always comment that's the most overrated thing in Minneapolis, and people have their opinions. I, I think it is. I think it's pretty overrated. Sweet. I think it's overrated. There's yeah. there's so many things here that you got to rank higher than that. So like 
like Fauche Tower. That like, do you guys know the scandal behind Fauche Tower? No. It's I'll tell you really quick. Wilbur Fauche uh, frauded, um, or like he basically had ninety or twenty nine uh, million dollars of investor money that he frauded and he opened up the Fauche tower, just this grand opening with like all the most wealthy men in America coming to it and just huge parties every night. And then eight weeks later, the stock market crashes and then they find out Wilbur Fauche had been frauding people of all that money. And he goes to jail and goes to court and they auction the building right after that. And so like he built his empire and um, it kind of signified like, the 1920s as a whole a lot of money in just a few people's hands really um being like bougie with it and just spending everything and then at the end of the decade it all comes crumbling down and he's in jail uh yeah so whoa eight weeks to a short-lived but a a well-established building that's pretty dope yeah Yeah. definitely that's Mm -hmm. super cool i where is the fauché tower is that right downtown it's like have you never seen it or i don't know which one it is uh it, it it looks like the Washington Thanks, Washington Monument. It looks just it was oh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it's actually it was replicated after the Washington Monument. So it's just that like, yeah. Okay. What's that one uh when you're going in between Minneapolis and Saint Paul on ninety four, driving towards Saint Paul and there's just like that one individual little tower. It was the Is it Augsburg or what is that? No, thing? no, no. It's uh all along the watchtower is uh, Bob oh. Dylan song. And oh, he named witch, it after isn't that. It a, the witch hat. Yeah, thing? it's the witch hat, and it's only open like one time every, like what, like in a certain time or day every year. Um, I didn't know if you knew anything about that, but uh, no. Nah. Our roommate Jack Burke, who lives right across the studio here, he knows about it. Okay, we'll so get him. We're on. gonna have to definitely. He'll be our witch hat guy. Yeah, we'll <laughs> the witch hunt for witch hat. Sweet. There we go. Uh, but transitioning here to uh, the back end of our show, where we ask our back pocket core questions, and the first one is, "What is your average quality? Something you do well at times, and other times not so well. At the end of the day, it's your average quality. So, Jay, what is your average quality? My average. I like this question a lot because, damn, that's an interesting way to think of it. But um, my average quality would be organization because. Um, in the film aspect of my life, I'm, you know, I'm responsible for, I have 30 terabytes of footage sitting on my desk and that all has to be perfectly filed on the camera type, the date, the project. It has to be just pristinely organized, but then like I'm coming home and I'm eating like Subway every night for dinner cause I can't like do groceries and shit like that. And, uh, so <laughs> <laughs> totally relate to that subway's the shit though i like subway he fresh absolutely he fresh too. <laughs> um but yeah it's the, i think i really and there's a lot of areas where like the business like i'm not good at the business with my company and um a year ago i wanted to have somebody else just take that role and i learned it didn't work out well with that other person taking that role because i needed it was kind of selfish for me to think hey like just do the just do the filming and editing and you don't have to worry about anything else because you do have to worry about other stuff but i'd always you know sell it to myself like oh but you're so good at organizing your footage like you don't need to be organized in other areas so i think i really got to find a a middle ground where i can you know as a business um, person just be able to facilitate those relationships just as well as i'm doing the stuff i've always been doing organized so organization 
I love sure. that. It's it all comes down to just like that one thing or maybe a realm like that organization that really keeps you humble, like trying to come back and always be organized. Like when you made the mistake of just like letting someone else take over um, the business side of your of your business, like that hurt. Right. But at the end of the day, like that's a great learning experience for you to, you know, understand I can be better in this certain area, which is why I love the average quality, because when we ask that question, like a lot of times it ends up being something that like can be a strength someday. Like Jay, you will be a good business owner. Like someday there will be a time where you're going to find the next 22 year old kid who's going to be much better at filming drone footage than you are. Right. Then you got to turn into that management organizational role to where you have like 70 little drone boys filming stuff for your big movie coming up. You know, like they're, you're going to get to a point where that's going to happen. So I 70, love 70 little drone boys. What? <laughs> seven, <laughs> seven, seven, dude. Yeah. I don't know. I like to over exaggerate things. Yeah, But with that being said, it's like you're putting that intention now to fix uh, some things that you see a little flawed and you're ready to get better at it to only increase what you're doing right now. And I think that's the, the coolest thing. Um, so organization is your average quality. Uh, the next question is what's in your back pocket? This is something when pressure becomes stress and anxiety is rising, you need something to overcome these situations and you always rely on this in your back pocket. So what's in your back pocket, Jay? Um, man, I'd, I'd say with a, with a job and a lifestyle where you are constantly looking at screens nonstop, it really truly is about doing something like longboarding or playing Frisbee or like getting, getting fresh air is huge i never thought it'd be like a hard thing to do at this point in my life but it really is because if i'm not editing or looking at a camera screen i'm facilitating relationships with clients on the phone and it's to a point where it's like when is it too much so i think it's really important for me to always go out and do something that is like playing basketball with the boys or like you know uh just longboarding is probably my number one because you only need one person to do it i've tried frisbee one person too and it's you need a little bit of wind to like throw it up and ca- like boomerang kind of but, mm-hmm. but yeah it's kind of like you look like a weirdo when you're playing frisbee by yourself so yeah. you're playing with mother nature jay come on now yeah yeah she's tossing right back are you yeah. familiar <laughs> with uh ivy uh ivy brand they're in the northeast um they create longboards steve weigel steve weigel I never heard of him, but I'm I'm a longboard connoisseur for sure. I will we'll pass you along his information because you're gonna you're gonna love this guy and his company. Yeah, um, he handcrafts longboards, and he's been doing it for a while. But he's got a promo code for back pocket back pocket oh. twenty for a little deal on a hand handcrafted longboard for you. So okay, they're very cool, very very cool. Um, but yeah, dude, that is, I I love the idea of like fresh air and just kind of in the moment because like when you go out to do those things like get that fresh air you're not filming yourself doing these things right i would assume no okay got it so i was gonna ask you like do you i mean that's a good time to escape the screen a little bit but do you find times where like you see a cool moment or you're like out walking you're like dude this would be a sick shot and you want it going (laughs) too often yeah i find that i find myself in those situations all the time but do you find like the times where uh it, or the times where you're not filming, but still in those in the moment, like are those just equally as feeling fulfilling or how do you feel about like balancing that? I guess because you're a filmer. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, especially to like, even just if I'm taking like a Snapchat video on my phone or Instagram video, it's like, 
like oh man you should just like enjoy this like as it is like but my mind's always like oh this is a perfect frame and like oh man i just need to capture this uh, i think one application too like where i'd really like to see like the world be like this but like at concerts like putting down phones at concerts would be sweet i went to a kid cuddy concert in 2011 at the target center and like that was before like people were posting on instagram all the time and it was so sweet it was just kid cuddy up there and i don't have any photos or videos from it because i wasn't doing that but it was like the best concert i've ever been to and now you're kind of just like oh man like so many people are filming and like it's like are we even gonna watch these videos later and um it's a great point like i mean yeah i think and when you see your favorite artist you got it you got to throw it up for one, but there should be like a one and done rule. Like just get one film for one song and then put it away for the rest or something <laughs> like one and done. Cause you get, you know, best of both worlds. Um, but yeah, I think, sorry if I'm going off a little test. I just really like, that's one thing I would like to change in the world is like, there's so much screen time and like if just concerts can go back to like how concerts were in the nineties or early two thousands, sure. that'd be, that'd be pretty dope. Yeah. It gets pretty brutal and uh, old seeing everyone on their, on their phones, lifting it up. I mean, it's good. But then we, we do it too. And then we like, do it too. too. Exactly. Yeah, it's like that guy in front of me, but oh man. Yeah, man. <laughs> now I'm filming him doing it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, it's a circle. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a freaking circle. Mm-hmm. I would say though, um, I like the one and done thing because do we really go back and look at the 20 that we took? No, but is it amazing when like Snapchat or Facebook or Instagram reminds you like this happened like two years ago? Hell yeah. This the, happened three years ago. You know? The memories, dude, the memories on Snapchat's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Like that's a, that's an awesome part about being able to capture everything, but like it's not going to go back and give you every single moment, you know? So yeah. I love it, dude. I freaking love it. But um, transitioning. So, you know, we've been asking you in phenomenal questions. Before we get to that one, oh yeah, we want to uh, we want to get challenged here, and we have Cole. We had Cole Ayersman on the podcast who challenged oh, us yeah. to have you have you on the show, which is awesome. Correct? Yeah. And now we get to pass that legacy on. You get to pass that legacy on of someone you want us to to go out there and grab on the show because you say it. We're gonna go out and do it. So who would you like to see on the back pocket? Hmm. I got to decide right now on the spot. Uh, if first person comes to your mind, sure. And if you think of other people later, we're more than happy to take on others. Okay. I have one. I don't, I don't know if he, he's super busy this time of year, so I don't know when he'd be able to do it, but I'd have to go Anthony Jaska, who is a producer at the, the studio I, um, have been live or not living with, but I've been working with. You're them. basically living there. I, I am basically living there. I'm there like 22 hours of the day, but um yeah he he's been teaching me all of the high level stuff that i had no i would have had to go to film school to know and it's like insane to see how much time he's been able to not only work on his stuff but give me a hand as well and put me in the right direction and he's always working on big projects like so he actually just shot a Michelob golden commercial with the thrill yam house was the song and they were in that commercial so that's right what? it's on yeah, yeah remember you, they, they they reached out to a bunch of people and said can you come to this day to shoot uh that was for him okay yeah, yeah. anthony's uh, anthony's amazing producer and filmmaker and he 
has a lot of crazy goals that um i just like look up to him and i'm like wow this guy like really has it figured out and he worked on that um commercial with the am house and it was cool because it was like a full circle where yam house and me and him all worked on projects together and um and he yeah he just bought a moto crane arm car so he's got a car with a crane on top of it that you attach the red cam to and so that's how he's able to film the kia commercials and do a lot so he he's doing some pretty sweet stuff not on the drone side but basically everything besides drone that's him and that's where i'm learning from so wow. uh, and anthony if you don't want to be on that's cool but whatever no he's gonna be excited <laughs> i think he's, i think i got a feeling he's gonna be excited yeah absolutely have you i mean i know you're in like the film space have you heard of uh ben and sam brodsky before yeah yeah i i just saw that they were on here never met them but i've looked at a lot of their work and it's it's pretty crazy because you know there's a tandem between them that is you can't find very often dude Mm -hmm. yeah it's incredible you just like your your experience and all the knowledge that you've been spitting today like remind me a lot of the brodskis just with what they what they're just trying to do and currently doing too man it's freaking cool um anyways i should have asked the challenge question now i'm asking the question question and I'm also just going to congratulate all four of us on a great podcast. So good work, gentlemen. Sick. Absolutely, dude. Not one and done on this podcast, dude. We're here for years. So that's great. Um, do you have any questions for us? Yes. Um, so I, the main question, um, I thought of this like right when we started talking, is you guys are obviously good spokesmen, and you guys know how to facilitate a conversation did that stem from you guys doing a lot of this in high school or doing speech classes in college or what, like what did you guys start with to be able to have a conversation that gets so multidimensional? Like, mm. I, I think it's a good um, dual aspect between Declan and I. Um, like I feel really confident about things and I, I can articulate those points very well when I'm like confident with that topic, but it's like a small limited window and Declan is very knowledgeable and have completely air in a different area than I am. So it helps. Um, and we do fall into these two pockets many times. That's where we take those conversations, but it's unique enough. We have our own little pockets to take that conversation where we can play off each other uh, very well. And I think that helps significantly uh, having that co- the conversational aspect be maintained because I can get tired at times having to sit th- do these time and time again but Declan will pick it up and then I'll be like oh that's dope I never even thought about that and then I'll jump in something type of something like yeah. that so I, I would say like to Andrew's point like the confidence that we can rely on each other um, in different moments within a conversation is great I would also say just like the experience that we it, I was not I hated speaking in front of people when I was in high school I, I wasn't like shy by any means, but like I was not good at speaking uh, probably up until the time we really started this podcast. If you go back and listen to all the old ones, that's fairly um, apparent. Um, but through doing this and being very excited about like understanding what makes a good podcast is like you said, like multidimensional good conversation. And what is at the root of that is listening. So being able to come in here for an hour and have an undistracted conversation without your phone, without really anything besides this car alarm that went off. That was quite distracting. I'll be honest. Um, but being able to just sit down and listen to someone's story and like really, really focus on that one thing has helped me articulate my own thoughts a little bit more. And I think that was, that's one part that I really 
really appreciate about the podcast yeah i'm like going through it i'm like are these guys like english majors are they good at freestyle rapping or like are they like like it's uh a lot of the questions you guys asked me have been asked before but the way you guys like have been able to dive into them is like stuff i haven't even thought about before so it's like (laughs) open open me up to a lot of new stuff as well it's therapy session i mean let's not get this construed you know this is what this is all about you yeah, know it's it's a uh, intervention under, intervention it's un- an undercover inter- therapy i mean you could sit horizontally and really if kick you your want feet up if you want to but this is your therapy. time yeah. Hell yeah 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 i think if you guys like if you guys have already done f- what 50 or how many is this uh, about 210 210 yeah. yeah i thought you said 50 uh we've done 50 specific ones on our listeners so we do a, a monday <laughs> show which is uh like uh, it's a so you've had 50 with a guest right M- monday no. shows are with guests um that we our format's fucked up it's hard to explain <laughs> monday is like uh it's someone that's kind of like a heavy hitter we like to call it a heavy hitter um it falls in different definitely v- different var- variations and then tuesday is someone that listens to our show we bring them on so that's two guests now a week and then on thursday we bring uh us three into the studio and just riff it and they call it the back end show so we release three podcasts a week Hell yeah, that's that's pretty complex. Like I, yeah. I guess if you guys are already at this point where it's just the numbers are stacking up, I think that it's it's a dynamic duo between you guys for sure. And like, Ty, don't don't sleep on Ty. Ty over here. I meant I meant like about every <laughs> single. Yeah. But appreciate that compliment, man. That means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, I did I did speech class and I was like, oh, dude, this sucks. Like, <laughs> how do you how do you like get? Because I know how you can like, if you really needed to do a speech, you can do it. But it's like, is that all like coded to be perfect? Like, where I think you guys get into the area where it's it's less perfect and it's more real. So yeah, that's what we try. Authentic, yeah, because if it's too like suit uh, suit and tie, then it's not it's not very fun for us. So we just keep, we do what we want and that's, what's fun. And we, our guests seem to have a fun time too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would say though, to your point, I mean, you're a great speaker too. When we asked you about your story, <laughs> like most people will run through that and miss certain parts or this, but you were very dialed in right away in terms of how you presented your story is very logical. It's easy to follow for like guys who want to listen to it. Like we were just like, Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> I was eating up that first 15 minutes when you went down your path. I was like, this is awesome. I love when our guest takes the longest time to go through their story and go through every little detail. Cause then it's like, this podcast is a breeze. Now I know all these things that I can talk about because it's hard to do our research on someone in our shoes because we we don't have times, New York times articles about us and Wikipedia pages where you can just go do these awesome researches and then ask these incredible questions. We don't have that opportunity. So thanks for going in depth. Like you did. Yeah. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. The I, only, the only thing I was telling myself on the way over here is like, all right, just don't sound too much like a history nerd. Like, <laughs> But dude, that's like all we want now. Yeah. <laughs> that's Andrew signed you up as a, the history liaison within. Yeah. Dominate the sandbox. Amen. There you go, dude. Exactly. Uh, but this brings us to our final question. You guys good? Awesome. I'm great, dude. Final question here, Jay. What did you learn today from the moment that you woke up to when we're having this conversation? Um, Let's see here. Oh, man, that is a really hard one. Um, I guess, does it have to be from when I woke up, or could it just be during the conversation? Absolutely. I didn't, I, this counts during the day. All right. I didn't learn anything earlier today. I learned stuff now. I learned... 
um because i'd seen for instance i'd, I'd i've seen you guys' podcast a lot especially when you asked me to come on i watched it a, like a really good amount and i have never listened to a podcast before that ever really so because like one thing with my job i always have to have a good sense for music so like i'm constantly like in the car when people would usually listen to podcasts or when working out or whatever i'm always listening to music because i want to be up to par with you know knowing what's good cinema quality music or you know sometimes just recreational listening but i always try to push it to be you know something that i'm educating myself on what's applicable music for different projects but now i've learned like there is a lot to podcasts that I never thought of and I looked over completely. So I, I now am not going to be listening to any more music and I'm going to be obviously tuning into everything you guys do. Plus expanding like whoever you guys think does great podcasts. I'd love to hear it. Cause I think now there's so much to it that I was just like, meh, but like now it's, now it's real. It's for sure real. We'll, we'll hit you up with a laundry list of uh, podcasts. We, we listen. We you just, guys do your homework? And, we do our homework. Mm, we binge okay. podcasts and so does Ty. So we, we got a bunch for you for and, sure. And, and, and Ty's. Don't, and, don't sleep on Ty's Yeah, and every, everybody's always saying like, oh, these podcasts are amazing. And I'm just kind of looking over like, oh, like, I, I guess. Like, but I feel like that takes a lot of time and it's something you really have to focus into. And I'm not the great at like, not that great at focusing. So I, uh, I think I overlooked what is a really awesome medium. Like, I think mm. this is a really awesome medium. Um, and now it's up to me to do the homework. I feel like there you go. Hell yeah. Here's a little homework for the listeners that are tuning into your podcast today. Um, just like you listened to our podcast for the first time, uh, not too long ago. You have listeners on this podcast right now tuning in at the hour mark. What kind of podcast would you tune them into from ours that you've listened to? Uh, I would definitely do the Brodskys because I think it's pr probably somewhat similar to mine a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like they're filmmakers, but I think what they have understood is what I can see that they're more technically bound filmmakers. Like they know the technical aspects where I'm every day still learning a lot of the technical stuff mm -hmm. and have just been lucky with like the drones and gimbals. Like, but I look at their work and it's like, man, there's, there's some complexity to that. It's not just two guys like put whipping together video. It's two guys like creating a huge concrete project. So uh, I think that one would be my recommendation for sure. Oh, right, yeah. right on. Love dude. that, man. And it's, is it still Twin Week? It's, uh, it's no <laughs> we're recording it's, during Twin we're Week. We're recording during Twin Week, but you'll be released post-Twin Week. Uh, okay, cool. Yep. Twin <laughs> Week. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, that's a wrap on the back pocket. Thank you so much. Hell yeah. Thank you, guys. You guys were killer. Coast in my heart, right where I meant to from the start. It's so much warmer than the secrets you've been holding in. And don't you look at me sideways with those eyes, always acting like you ain't got the time. I can't imagine trying to carry what you hold inside. But ooh, you got a reason to sing, and ooh, you're finally listening. And woo, 
inside your 